Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living series, our guest today is evolutionary biologist Dr. Rui Diogo. Dr. Rui Diogo will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates June 10th, 2021, so coming right up in the title of Dr. Diogo's presentation is The Meaning of Life and Human Nature, Evolution, Gods, Conspiracy Theories, and Ghosts. It's only natural for humans to ask why and then come up with answers. Ask children why rivers exist and they might tell us so that we can have water to drink. Makes sense. They'll draw the sun with a smiling face, depicting it not as an inanimate object, but as a purposeful being with a day job. Even in adulthood, We never break free of such tendencies. Consider last year's birth and spread of conspiracy theories about the origins of COVID-19. What makes us do this? Using case studies and research from diverse scientific fields, Dr. Rui Diogo, an evolutionary biologist, takes a scientific look at how humans have long made sense of their worlds. From understanding our tendency to seek purpose in life, to our awareness of the inevitability and randomness of death, to why we developed our beliefs in gods, conspiracy theories, and ghosts. Rui Diogo looks at what our evolution can tell us about our tendency to wonder about life's cosmic purpose. While often considered one of humanity's most noble features, it is also linked to some of the darker developments in human history. That is, what is our cosmic purpose, which might include witch hunts, misogyny, animal abuse, colonialism, racism, eugenics, terrorism, and the majority of wars. In order to prevent the repetition and to avoid an ecological point of no return, Diogo argues that we must move to an understanding of life that is more rational and empirical. In our quest for understanding of earthquakes, rainbows, birth defects, and aspects of our bodies, anything not directly related to purposeful choices made by living organisms, we should reframe our questions not as a why, but as a how did this occur question. How did this thing occur or evolve rather than why did this occur or evolve? Diogo is an associate professor of anatomy at Howard University's College of Medicine and resource faculty member at George Washington University Center for the Advanced Study of Hominid Paleobiology. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dr. Rui Diogo. Dr. Rui Diogo, welcome back to the program. (laughs) Thank you very much for having me again. Yes, absolutely. This subject is going to be a great one. Uh, I want to just jump into it. Of course, we're going to be talking about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, The Meaning of Life and Human Nature, Evolution, Gods, Conspiracy Theories, and Ghosts. So this is a big subject. I'm excited to talk to you. But of course, we haven't talked for a little while. You've been on the, the program previously, very popular with all of our audience. But I just want to make sure you're doing well, family's well, surviving the uh, lockdown and pandemic and vaccinated, all those things. We just wish you the very best, Dr. Diogo, but uh, is all well? Yes, everything is perfect, actually. I was lucky to, to not have the COVID, and, and so far, my actually, all my family, nobody got COVID. So it's really good so far. Yes. Good. And good. I hope well, you are also you. okay and your family is okay. We are. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're doing well here and um, um, happy to kind of be out and about again a little bit and uh, are all vaccinated and we're still wearing our masks in some places, but it's nice to have the option, I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
Good. Well, let's just jump into this because, I, again, I just think this is a fascinating subject. I, we're going to get some answers today, I think, Dr. Chico, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that. Again, your upcoming presentation with the uh, Smithsonian is titled The Meaning of Life and Human Nature, Evolution, Gods, Conspiracy Theories, and Ghosts. It's coming up here quickly on June 10th, but uh, you and I have the privilege of talking today and uh, I want to just jump in and maybe have you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and how how you'll be using Zoom to engage our audience because we're all we're all on Zoom lately. <laughs> you know, in, in a way, I think Zoom uh, helped us a bit in a way that um, within this uh, pandemic, of course, that like for for instance, before you will need to be physically at Smithsonian, right, uh, to see these kind of talks. And now people from I don't know from China, from Afghanistan, from everywhere can can actually see these talks, right? So it's it's more um, a bit in a way more democratic. It's, it made a science a bit more accessible. And perhaps we don't know, but perhaps you know in in the future actually some of these things will be like hybrid. We will be like doing live but also in Zoom, so other people can also see it. You know, it will be like a more democratization of, of knowledge in a way. And uh, yes, I think that is a, a great advantage of, of Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And we're looking forward to your presentation. So knowing the title again, it's a big, broad title. What will we learn that's new to this subject about life and what this means? Uh, yes, I actually will say that this uh, talk specifically is for most people rather new because I have gave this talk in some other countries and it, it does seem to be something that most people never heard before because it's really more about the origins of belief, right? Um, in a way, like how did we came to believe in, in different things, you know, because beliefs, there are many types of beliefs. You can have conspiracy theories, you can have believing in ghosts. Uh, there is, of course, uh, belief, uh, beliefs of religion. So there are many, many types of, of beliefs. And it's mainly how did it come to be, right? So in that sense, I think is is a is a really like kind of new way of seeing these, comparing with other animals, comparing different groups of humans, etc. To have like a broader uh, a broader view uh, of how these things emerge. You know, religion is just a subtype of beliefs. Uh, religion is actually, especially organized religion, is one of the more recent ones, in, in a way. Most people think beliefs is like a, right, you say, is a believer, or she's a believer, is a synonym of, of religion, but it's not at all. Beliefs are much um, much previous to, 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 the, to the rights of religion. So I, I think in that sense, it's like combining uh, human history with evolution in, in a new way that, that I think most people will at least get some Something from it, yes. Yes, I'm looking forward to it, too. And and so I wonder, let's drill down just a little bit, and maybe you can tell us what we'll learn that will actually help us kind of rethink some of these aspects of our daily lives, such as love and work and and stress. Yes, yes. So especially in in, in the book I wrote about about this this subject, right? It's really about how it affects our daily lives and, and and also the planet, right? The way we deal with the planet. So it does have repercussions. Like beliefs do have repercussions on a daily life. And so I think in that sense, perhaps one interesting thing is to to think why actually do we believe in general and especially in you know within the all the beliefs that we have you know even humanism in a way is a belief right like when you say 
we have the duty to make a better world or you have the duty to protect other animals. And of course, I agree with these things, right? But it's still, you think, a duty means that we have like a purpose, right? And so that is a common trend in all types of beliefs, right? That you have like a, that we are special, we humans, and that we have a purpose in the cosmos, right? Within the cosmos. And, and that is really the base of all beliefs. But the question is why? Why in the sense of, uh, well, I will pre prefer as we will talk about uh, later about how. So how? How did we come to, to, to have these beliefs, right? That we have a purpose and we are special. And that is really the main, the main thing I'm discussing. And it does seem to be because um, when we got conscious of the, that, we, that uh, death is unavoidable, because other animals know about death, you know, like elephants and chimpanzees, they know that there is death because when they pass in the in the skull of uh, let's say of a mother that died for instance elephant they will actually be very sad and they will be around the, the skull for a long time so they, they know they understand the concept that that mother will never be back right but that is very different from what we have humans i think it was just a bit after we separated from chimpanzees because chimpanzees are almost getting there. Chimpanzees actually, we now know, they have like mystic kind of behaviors, you know, in, in almost like a kind of belief. For instance, now there is this new study that discovered that chimpanzees, they even have like small like temples, you know, there are special trees that for some reason, we don't know why, but it's again, it's like, you know, transcending is what is more than reality, right? For them, they are not trees, clearly, <laughs> even if they are trees. So they, they put like stones there, but just there. And they almost like, almost like have a mystical approach to those trees. Also, we know they have uh, mystical dances when there is a huge rain uh, in, in, uh, in dense forests. Also, actually, when there is natural fire, they have, they have dances for fire. So very similar to what many human uh, groups actually have, right? So they seem to be almost there, but we think, we cannot be completely sure, but we think that they cannot, no other animal seems to be able to know that they will die no matter what. One thing is to see being an elephant and know, oh, my mother died, I will never see her again, so I'm sad and etc. Another thing is to know in your prime time, when you are a teenager or 30 or 40 or 50 years old, and you know, well, even if I escape a lion, if I escape the mountain, if I escape all these things, I will die no matter what. And that is a blessing and a curse, right? It's a blessing because it's true. It's good that we are conscious about that fact of life, but it's, of course, a curse in the sense that it's the most horrible thing someone can think. You know, like if, if you think you know, on a daily basis, why I'm learning, why I'm, I'm listening to this podcast, you know, I will die, I will forget all these things. So why do I work? And so at that moment in time of human evolution, if you think about it, there were two ways of, of two ways of reacting to it. One will be saying, oh, whatever, you know, why should I survive? Why should I fight? Why should I reproduce this world? I, like, you know, it's just like, you know, a bit like a nihilistic way. And the other way, a small group of humans in the beginning uh, probably began, began to create uh, a purpose, right? Like this famous sentence that says, if you cannot change reality, change the eyes that see reality. So they begin to change the narrative and to say, okay, but we are still going to die anyway, but we are special. We are here for a reason. We are, let's say, made in the image of God or, or, 
or we are here for a reason, and also the afterlife. You know, these are two things of belief, a purpose in life and a cosmic purpose in life. Like you have to be careful. It's not, oh, I have a purpose in life. Yes, if you want to, let's see, be let's say be an astronaut, you wake up and you have a purpose in life. That's okay. But having uh, uh, co uh, thinking that there is a cosmic purpose, right? That we have a, co a cosmic purpose is something very different. So that seems to be what those humans in the beginning begin to re uh, the way they reacted to that blessing and curse, right? And, and and now if you think in terms of evolution, like the two things that count in evolution is to be able to survive more or to be able to have more kids. That's basically, right? Those will be selected. So that's why we think that everybody basically now is a believer in some way or another. Even people that say they are not believers or not religious, they will still believe. We are all believers. Why? Because the people that began to have these narratives, they were selected. They can fight more for life than, mm -hmm. of course, a nihilistic person mm -hmm. will do. Mm-hmm. That's helpful to know. Thank you for that. And, and I, I want to get back to this because you refer to your book, in the title of which it, it's a new book titled The Meaning of Life, Human Nature and Delusions. And we're going to put up a link to where our audience can find out more about your book and show a, uh, a cover shot in our notes today, too. But I wonder uh, the research and the data that you assembled uh, in, in, in preparing the book and writing the book, do you find that we're progressing as humans, are, are we doing this individually? Are we even doing this collectively? Are we making progress in understanding our cosmic purpose? This is a very interesting question because um, the notion of progress is is part of the notion of, of purpose, right? They all come together, right? So it's like there is an end goal, right? Progress as purpose, as a cosmic purpose, meaning that there is an end goal. So it, it, it always necessarily involves, involves a creator. Again, can be not just a god because there are many types of beliefs, right? But like, let's say an atheist humanist, right? Let's say atheist humanist that say, a left-wing atheist humanist that say, we have a duty to protect the world or protect the planet. They will be still atheists, but they are uh, doing a kind of belief, right? Because it's still a purpose that involves the question, if we have a purpose or, or a duty, who, make, who made us to have that duty, right? We need a creator or we need someone or some... Of course, most people that are atheists, atheists now, they, they will use these terms. Why? Because they are still believers, as we all are. So, But but they will be more like the belief of Mother Nature. That actually was the main belief before, <laughs> before gods, right? Before religion, organized religion, it was more animism. And animism, that is also a religion, actually, animism is, is precisely like uh, Mother Nature, right? Trees can talk with you and things like that. That is a bit what kids have. So you can see how, how powerful beliefs are that even small kids, they draw the sun with eyes, right? They don't see the sun as an inanimate object. What saying it will be. Since uh, the moment that some human groups began to have agriculture, within those groups, it was... Uh, more often that they will start to drink more milk. <laughs> that is the reality, right? Because we are not excluding anybody, but we don't talk like that. You know, it's difficult. We all talk in this really very narrow, mm -hmm. ethnocentric way. We are with Dr. Rui Diogo. Dr. Diogo will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates coming up here. And the title of his presentation is The Meaning of Life and Human Nature, Evolution, Gods, Conspiracy Theories, and Ghosts. 
Well, I want to talk to you first for just a moment or two about conspiracy theories, Dr. Diogo, because this last year we saw conspiracy theories abound, uh, specifically around COVID-19. What does the data uh, and your research tell us about the beliefs that have really sprung up lately about uh, conspiracy theories? Yes. Um, Conspiracy theories is a, a very interesting example of belief but still, as all, always, it follows the same two main things we have in beliefs. Uh, well, a bit more technical, but I will try to simplify a lot. Uh, the, the mother and the father of beliefs in uh, in biology, in evolution, are one of the mother is agency. So when you give agency uh, to something. That is a bit what his animism, right? We give agency to the sun. We give agency to objects that clearly have no agency. They are not uh, animate objects, right? Why Why do we have this agency? If you think about it, it's very simple to explain to the broader public. Let's suppose you have zebras in, in the savannah in Africa with this tall grass, and you see the grass moving. The zebras can sing, and it's true, 99% of the time is the wind. So it's a a non-agent, right? It's just the wind. But the problem is that 1% of the time is not the wind. It's a lion, and the the lion will eat them. So which group did you think was selected? The the zebras that are the rational ones that that actually know that 99% of the time they don't need to run? No, the freaky, the freaky paranoid zebras are the survival ones. Because even if they are wrong 99% of the time, because actually it's not a lion, the 1% that is really a lion, they survive. And the other ones can be always right almost, but when they are not, they die. So selection made us to be highly irrational, to see agency, even when there is not. And the other, the other, the father of, of beliefs is paternicity, is seeing patterns that don't exist. We also know other animals have. There is this amazing study with pigeons, for instance, that, that leads to superstition, as we have. They, in, in the same study, they gave pigeons food at, at, uh, at intervals, like one minute, they will give food. And so these pigeons were eating, it's okay. But the other study, they give pigeons food at, uh, at random intervals. So the pigeons have no control. But what do the pigeons do that humans also do? Superstition, right? They begin, if casually, uh, the food came when they were, let's say, doing a neck movement, neck to the left. They, they think, oh, I can actually interfere with this. And, and they begin to do this like superstitious behavior, ritual of moving the neck to the left. And you will think, oh, but come on, most of the times they will, nothing, the food will not come. Yes, but we have this confirmation biases. So as, as long as even in a hundred times they do that movement, it come one time again, then they think, look, I can really control. That's why we have these superstitious um, rituals as for humans. So now, what the conspiracy theory does is precisely what superstition does, right? It's seeing patterns where they don't exist, but why, why, why to give a sense of control that you can control? And I will just give you quick two main examples in the US, right? You have 11 September and you have now the COVID uh, conspiracy theories. If you think about actually, it's so easy to see. The, all the conspiracy theories of the 11th September made by Americans always give an agency to the Americans. The discomfort of thinking that some Arabs can come from from Europe without no control at all from our side, from our American side, and they can come and kill us. We cannot 
stand having this, uh, um, not, don't, not having the control. Humans and other animals like pigeons, we cannot stand not having control of our lives. Even if, of course, logically, most of the things of our lives we don't control. I did not choose to be uh, born from my parents. I did not choose my genes. I did not choose to be born in Portugal. But we want to believe that we have a lot of control that mostly we don't have. And so conspiracy theories, what they do is to give this control. Americans think, no, it's the government that did the 11th September or no, it's the CIA. Why? Because they are saying that they, the Americans, are the ones that have the agency. So they can change things, you know, like the pigeons doing these movements. They can change things. We can change our government. We can change CIA. CIA, we have we have a control. The same thing happens exactly the same now with COVID. It's really interesting if the people that are listening think about that. All the conspiracy theories about COVID, it's always that we're humans doing it. We cannot stand the idea that a non-living organism, because viruses are not even like living organisms like bacteria, no, because they cannot reproduce. They need a host. So the, 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 the idea that a non-living organism that has no brain can beat and kill like flies uh, millions of humans, this, this special animal, it's like as unbearable for, for a lot of people. So they will say, no, humans created the virus or is 5G or is Bill Gates. But all narratives are always that is the in-group because we are giving a sense of control. We are the ones that did it. What is completely wrong? Because even if the lab... If, if it came out from the lab, as some people are perhaps saying, what is possible? But the people don't conf confuse one thing. It's not that humans build it. That lab had, had coronaviruses. They were studying it. And so eventually it got out of it. As the labs with Ebola, everybody's afraid that one day they can, the Ebola can still escape from labs because there are many labs in the U.S. that study Ebola, for instance. But it's completely different. The Ebola is not made in these labs or the coronaviruses, they exist in nature. We, do, we died a lot because of viruses, right? Even nowadays, people die with the flu before, of course, they, they, had, they died with the age, with AIDS, uh, uh, HIV. So, but we, even with HIV, it was the same. People cannot accept that just a virus is, is killing us. So they will make these narratives. It was because of God to punish the homosexuals. These conspiracy theories always give agency to us. It's because of us, right? Because we cannot accept that the discomfort of, of not having the control. So conspiracy theories always do. Even with the Black Plague, it was against the Jews. And people say, oh, but the Jews are not the in-group, right? That's why the Europeans kill them, the European, the non-Jews European. Yes, but still it's us versus a virus or a bacteria. The in-group is saying we, humans, have the control. So if we, humans, kill Jews, okay, it's it's gone. But it's not okay because it's a virus or a bacteria. They don't, kill about, they don't care about religion. <laughs> they don't care about anything, right? And we make these stories to see these patterns that don't exist. It's just a virus killing people. Because that's what they do. They don't want to do it, actually. Very important so you can see the importance of beliefs in the daily lives and how dangerous they can be. We say the, the killer virus. The virus has no interest at all. If you think about that, the virus cannot reproduce without an host. It's not like bacteria. So when you die, the virus inside of you will die. They have no interest. That's why actually a virus is much better in evolution if it's like the flu that just kills a little bit. Not like the Ebola that kills a lot because that is the most... Because if you kill a lot, then you will just disappear quickly. That's why Ebola always disappears very quickly. It's, it's a surge. But 
so a virus has no interest to be a killer, but we make these stories, right? We make these narratives of agency as if the virus is trying to kill us, not at all, right? It's not the interest. So yes, yes, conspiracy theories are very predictable, actually, where they go, because it's always the agency of the mm-hmm. in-group. Well, Dr. Diogo, I, final question for you. I know, I know you're very busy, and we sure, we sure appreciate your time. We all have this tendency to think in terms of um, our lives and trying to understand it. So where do we go from here in terms of understanding life? Do we, do we think about it more rationally, empirically? What, what, uh, what do you suggest? You know, the, the interesting thing about, uh, about science is that, you know, it's not like a, you know, like a, a self-guide book that, that you can say, oh, right, do, this is a solution or something, because life is complicated, right? Especially life in this planet is complicated. And as I said, beliefs also have positive aspects, right? So we know again that beliefs, let's say either in God or let's say the new age people that, that will... Um, that will use the power of meditation, etc. And some of these things, of course, meditation is, is not like a belief in the sense that you just think that the world is beautiful and the plants are beautiful and they're everything. But beliefs can by themselves relax people, right? So they can they can have advantages. I always say to myself, like if I have a cancer, let's say a pancreatic cancer, a difficult one, probably I will try to survive. Of course I will. I love to, la- to live, right? But I cannot compete with a religion with a religious person that will say things, and actually they say a lot things like that. Oh, if I have a pancreatic cancer, it's because God is because God chose me because He chooses the, the the toughest people for the toughest fight. And pancreatic cancer is really a tough fight, so He shows me. I wish I could think like that because that gives you really a motivation. And we know actually statistically that those people normally will actually. Of course, pancreatic cancer will kill for many reasons, but there is a small interference on the, on the way you you believe you will you will survive, on the way you will be more optimistic, right? You will take uh, medication and so on. So sometimes I say I wish sometimes I was a religious believer because sometimes I know statistically we know that there are good things that come from it, not only religion but other ways of of believing that can relax you and like. Altoism. People also forget one important thing: religion. When the beginning of agriculture, there were a lot of pandemics and things happening that did not happen before. So, so they could not know why they were doing these laws. Let's say, don't eat pig. It seems something like random, but it was not. Um, Islam started on the desert. On the desert, before there was fridges, etc., it was very dangerous to, to eat uh, pig meat. So it actually was a rule to save a lot of lives. They could not explain the why or the how even, because there were no microscopes, etc., with the bacteria that affect the pig, etc. But they could see correlations. Eating a lot of pig, not cleaning the hands. That's why we have all these rules in religion, right? Clean your hands, don't eat this meat, don't eat that. Those rules many of times were actually logical, but they gave them unlogical reasons, like because God does not want you to, to eat pig, that is the reason, but because they did not know it, but they knew that there were correlations. So it, they save a lot of lives and still save a lot of lives. If you think that in the West, there are millions of people that die every year because of alcohol or alcoholism. Think now, let's say, in Muslim countries where mostly people don't drink alcohol, they, the religion there is saving a lot of lives. So religion has a lot of positive things. But having said that, not only religion, but other beliefs, they also have a lot of negative things, right? So especially, there is an amazing sentence by 
I think is Werkman, that said, uh, the amazing thing about, let's say, religion is that there was always like bad people and good people that will kill people, etc. But the thing is that religions allow them to kill people, even to exterminate people or genocide people, and still say that is for a good reason, because you are killing the unfaithful, etc. So so the, the power of religion in terms of wars, for instance, or let's say on a daily life, for instance, when you say, when you have the belief of romantic love, love is a real thing in biology, but this ultra romantic love you see in Hollywood movies, like, oh, we are meant to be together, right? So that is like actually very dangerous. And many studies show that because first of all, there was no creator that made it, uh, that you were made to just be your you two uh, in the, in seven billion people together, but if you think about that, you begin to also idealization needs always a denial. So if you see signs, for instance, that your partner is a bit uh, uh, a bit dangerous, that starts to scream at you or to beat you sometimes, and you will say you will idealize, you will deny. Oh no no, because we were meant to be. Right? How can it be that if we're meant to be, we're meant to be? And so you begin to not see those signals. And we know that people that have like violence at home, either women or men, of course, more women uh, suffer that. They had some signals before. I'm not saying it's their fault. Of course not. Of course not. The man is the one that is beating them. But there were signals because someone that is violent shows it from the beginning. But those signals were not seen because we were idealizing what right? you were saying. If it's meant to be. Actually, many women that are beaten by, by husbands, they actually say that they did not separate themselves, apart from being afraid and all these things, that because it was meant to be, so how could it be wrong? So that is the, the dangers, you know, there, there are pros and cons of belief in every single day. It's not only religion, that's what I'm trying to say, is in this every, every single day, or the belief that you have to work precisely, you have to work a lot to progress, to be productive. That is actually a religious story, right? You have to work for God. Um, and then you don't sleep, and then you overwork, and then you 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 have um you have disease because of that, you know, because we have these beliefs that I have to be productive. Again, I have to be productive. Product, productive is a is a belief as if someone made you be in this world to be productive. When like you know, no, you have to be what you want to be. And I think that will some same thing we could change or we should change. Dr. Rui Diogo has been our guest today. Dr. Diogo is a evolutionary biologist and is the associate professor of anatomy at Howard University's College of Medicine and is a member of the George Washington University's Center for Advanced Study on Hominid Paleobiology. Dr. Diogo will be presenting coming up here on Thursday, June 10th at the Smithsonian Associates. We're going to have links to where you can find out more information about Dr. Diogo, his presentation, availability of the tickets from Smithsonian Associates. But Dr. Diogo, thank you so much for your time today. This is just a fascinating subject. I know our audience is going to be very interested in this. Thank you very much to you for interviewing me. And yeah, you are doing a good job. I I, I love to listen to your podcasts and everything. Amazing. Uh, Well, thank you very much, Dr. Diogo. (laughs) Thank you very much. My thanks to author and evolutionary biologist, Dr. Rui Diogo. Enjoy his new book, The Meaning of Life, Human Nature, and Delusions. Dr. Rui Diogo will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates June 10th, 2021, and more details can be found in the show notes today or on our website. My thanks to the Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. My thanks, of course, to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be safe. And let's talk about better the Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.